0: Henry Ford, the great automaker, was having a really bad day. Uh, The factory had been shut down because the generators weren't working. Uh, And so he was losing money fast and he was frantic. And so he asked one of his repairmen, he says, Get in there and fix that generator as fast as you can. Uh, The repairman tried to fix it and he couldn't fix it. And so he called the guy who actually had built the generator. His name was Charles Steinmans. You may have heard of him. Uh, He was a genius mathematician, professor over at Union College, and an inventor. Uh, and so he, he came and got into, started tinkering around with the generators. A few hours went by and finally pulled a switch, and just like that, they were back in business. Well, you can imagine that Henry Ford was really happy about this until he got the bill. He got the bill from Charles and it was for $10,000. Now, understand, this is the early 1900s. So $10,000 in the early 1900s may be like probably more than a million dollars today. And if you know anything about Henry Ford, you also know that he was really tight-fisted. So he's pretty ticked off about the bill, and he contacted uh, Charles, and he said, hey, why so much money? And, and, and Charles famously said to him, well, for tinkering around with the generators, he said, $10. For the knowledge to know where to tinker around, $9,990. You see, that, that's, that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's, it's knowing what to do with knowledge. Like a lot of you know, if you have knowledge that a tomato is a fruit, but if you have wisdom, you know not to put that in a fruit salad, because I may not go so well. See, that's, that, that's, that's wisdom right there. A lot of us have biblical wisdom, and um, in fact, sometimes, if we're keeping it real, um, our, our knowledge of the Bible you know, is, is quite a bit, but it doesn't match up with our obedience, that our, our knowledge far exceeds our obedience, and I include myself in that. But wisdom says, I know what to do, and I, and I do it. So that, today, just, that's the big idea. Last week, we talked about choices, which is a, a part of wisdom. Today, it's more about, like, how, how do I, I be wise? No, um, it's often been said that out of the mouth of babes comes wisdom. Out of the mouth of, of children and babies comes wisdom. So I thought this was kind of fun. I found this on a website. It says, when at first you don't succeed, just sit down and eat cake, then try again. I don't know why. I think that's pretty smart. Um, How about this one right here? Positive ways our family handles stress. Suck it up. I don't know. It works for me. Yeah. Uh, And then finally, how about this one right here? I think this little girl may have been influenced by her mother, but if the shoe fits, buy it in every color. Okay. Just just a little, little bit of wisdom right there. A lot of times we don't think about the fact that Jesus was a child and that he grew into wisdom. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail about the childhood of Jesus. There's, there's a, a few places they talk about it. But here's, what, here's the point that I want to make. Jesus had to come by his wisdom the same way that you do and you do and I do. He had to, he had to press in. He had to study. Um, he, he had to to do all the things that we do to, to get Like it just didn't. He didn't wake up one day and go, I guess I'm God, you know, and, and so I'm going to just like, okay, be God. But he's not. It, it, so step by step, month by month, year by year, he grew in wisdom, just, just like us. Uh, one of the great Proverbs says in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, this is called, what we call wisdom literature. Is that part of the Bible. You have Proverbs and, and uh, Psalms and other parts of the Bible. Anyway, it says the beginning of wisdom is this, <laughs> just get it get wisdom. We all, we all need it. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. So you can't accomplish the will of God by ignoring the wisdom of God. You just can't. It can't be done. You have to say, well, then what is the wisdom of God? If I'm going to fill God's will for my life, his plan for my life, and God has a plan for all of our lives, how do I go about doing that? And, and you just can't ignore his wisdom. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul actually prayed about this, and then he wrote it, and it's, it's beautiful. In fact, it's, it's a, a, a little bit of scripture that I've actually prayed over my own children and over pe- different people in my life, and he says, I, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, now listen to what he says here. He says that he may give you the spirit of wisdom. You ever just known somebody, and maybe they weren't being so wise, maybe they're just being flat out dumb, and you just say, oh God, just help them, you know? Help him, Jesus. Right? You know, just just give him give him some wisdom. This is basically what it is. Give the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, revelation is kind of taking it to a new level of saying, God even reveals something to them. And I know in my own life, when I've called out for wisdom at times, it was like, God, I need help. And then God sometimes just reveals something to me, which is is a better part of wisdom. Says so that so you may know Him better. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to uh, Ephesians chapter five as we continue? In our journey, we're getting pretty close to the end of the book of Revelation, excuse me, of, uh, Revelation, of Ephesians. So we're going to read verses 15 through 20. And this is what the apostle says. Be very careful, then, how you live. How many of you would say that uh, you're careful kind of people, like, you're, like you're, you're sort of cautious? How many of you are like that? Okay, good, okay. How many of you are like me? You're not careful. Like I just, I'm a go for it. I have got myself in more trouble because I'm not careful. I just sort of like, yeah, and I jump into things. But here's, here's the good news for my own life is I've learned to be more careful. He says, be very careful then how you live. And then he says, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. That's wisdom right there, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute, what he means when he says that. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make noise from your heart to the Lord, and always giving thanks to God the Father in everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think probably most of us realize that time is a precious commodity, and it seems like it's becoming more that way all the time. It just seems like everything's moving a little bit faster and, and, and we're we're trying to squeeze more in, into a day. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, remember that Beatles song Eight Days a Week? You know? Don't you wish you had eight days a week? I think I mean if I had eight days, now what I could do with that extra day, and I probably a lot of us feel that way. But but time is limited, so wisdom requires that we manage our time in, in a way we maximize our time to make it work for, for our life. Uh, the James, the brother of Jesus, actually said this. He goes, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now, if you're 20 years old, you're, you're not going to get that right now. You, you just won't. Uh, when you turn 30, you might start to think about it. When you get 40, you're definitely thinking about it. When you turn 50, it's heavy on your mind, and on and on and on. Because time just begins to sort of speed up. I, I think about a five year old kid, and you, you, know, you tell a five year old kid, you go in the corner for five minutes, man, that is an eternity for a five year old kid. You know? But for a 15 year old, it starts to change a little bit. It's like so you're going to have to wait till a week before you go to Disneyland. And, and the 15 year old is like, what? But then it starts to change after that. Time. We, we all, and, and, and that's, that's really a picture of our life. It's just like we show up and. You know, next thing we know, and if you're in my case, you're like getting up there a little bit, you're like, Wow, where did it all go, man? There was that there was that season I got married, and now I've got kids, and now I've got grandkids, and boom, it's just it's just going. Wisdom says, choose this. Now we're talking about choices last week, so this is kind of part of this. Choose this, not that. Well, what is this? This is is the wise decisions that you make. Choose this. So when I think about that, I I think uh I chose God when I was 19. I, I chose, and that was a wise decision. I didn't choose that, which was eh, I'm just going to do my own thing. Um, choose this when I when I was uh, uh, about 23. I met a beautiful woman named Karen, who became my wife, and I chose her, and that was that was wisdom because I almost chose somebody else, and that w- that was that. Okay, maybe somebody can relate to that. And there's going to be those things in our life. Choose this. This is the, the wise and the prudent thing to do, not that, which is that other thing that you could have done and it probably would not have worked out so well. And he says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, when the Apostle Paul says the days are evil, what uh, really, he's really making reference to is not like evil in the sense of character evil. He's actually talking about influence, the, the, that there's always going to be, bad and evil influences around us. is basically what he's saying. He says, as you live out your life, our very short lives, don't allow the influences, the bad influences of your life to move you in a direction where you do unwise things. I wonder how many of you can relate to uh, maybe at some point when you were growing up and you started running with the wrong crowd, you know, and, uh, and suddenly at some point, if you were wise, you went, you know what, if I keep on hanging out with this crowd, things are not, not going to go well. I remember uh, when I was in junior high school, I used to hang out with this kid, Neil. And Neil was a big-time thief. Uh, every time, you know, we used to go in these stores, and he'd walk out, and he'd have all this stuff that he stole. And I'm like, oh, man, what are you doing? You're going to get us in trouble. And I remember one day, I walked into this, it was called Gym Sports Shop. I'll never, it was in Gilroy, and we were big into fishing, and so we walked into Gym Sports Shop, and we're kind of looking at lures and all kinds of stuff for fishing, and we walk out, or, or we walked out, and he opens up his jacket, and he's got all the stuff that he stole. I'm like, oh, man, you, you're going to get us busted. I came back to Jim's sports shop one day, and Jim, the owner of the shop, walked out to me. And I, I'll never forget that this. He said, you know, you seem like a nice kid. And I was just kind of like standing there in front of Jim, and I thought, oh, no, where is this going? He says, you seem like a nice kid. He says, but that guy that comes in with you, he's got sticky fingers, doesn't he? Man, I, I didn't even know what to say. I just, I just was speechless. And he said, so if I were you, he said, I wouldn't hang around with him anymore because he's going to get busted. We're going to catch him. And I quit hanging out with Neil. See, that's, that was a good decision right there. There's those, those influences out there. And then there's just the influences of the culture in general. That's why the Apostle Paul, and, and, uh, and he wrote the book of Romans, and in the 12th chapter, verse 2, he said, don't be like the culture. He, says, he uses, says it this way. Don't conform to the ways of the world and culture. But he says, be different. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think differently. Be different. And then he says, if you do that, he says, then you'll know what God's will is for your life. That's, that's wisdom right there. Wisdom says the choices are now, but the outcomes are later. Man, don't we all know this? I, I think back to my college years, and I, I have to just be honest with you. My first two years in college were really not good because I didn't I didn't apply myself, and 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 so the uh, the now the choice now would be Hey Steve, Jeff's having a party tonight. You gonna go? Well, I've, I've got a, I got a test coming up, uh, but I'd go to the party anyway, and then I f- wouldn't do well on the test. And then it, the next thing would be Hey, hey Steve, we're gonna go see the Giants play. Um, you know they're playing the Dodgers. You know you wanna go? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a term paper to do, but, you know, I'll go. And so it was always, you know, the game always won. The party always won. I did that for the first two years. But then in my junior year, I got wise. And they'd come to me and they'd say, hey, Jeff's having a party. I go, oh, I can't go. And I began to apply myself and realize there were consequences for my choices. There, there, there always is. And that's the better part of, of wisdom. Choose now. Yeah. But what's, what, what's, what's the outcome going to be? This is one of the oldest psalms in the Bible right here. This is actually written, it's the only psalm written by Moses that we have. And he says this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Not like, like, you know, uh, being in prison and going day 86, you know, kind of thing. Teach us to number our days. In other words, we're stepping back from our life and we're saying, God, give me some perspective. How am I doing? Am I making good choices? Am I living a life that, that, that has meaning and purpose. That's what Moses is talking about. And that, that's wisdom. Now, the, the good, you've probably heard this before, the good is the enemy of the best. Because there's the good, there's the better, and there's the best. I was sitting down with a guy the other day. Um, we're, there's a few of us from, from uh, actually quite a few of us from New Break. We have you know, our six campuses. And we're learning uh, how to be life coaches we're actually you know, going, we're, we're going to be um, certified life coaches in about a year. And so we were doing some role-playing, uh, and so uh, I was the, uh, the coach E, and he was the coach. And this guy is a guy that I really respect. And he said, what do you want to talk about? And I said, I want to talk about the fact that it just seems like I just don't have enough time for anything. And he said, well, w- why is that anyway? And I said, I'll tell you why. I said, because I want to do everything. Ever, ever get there? I'm, I, I have a passion for life, and, and I just, there are so many things that I want to do, but I just don't have enough time to do it. So he said, well, let, let's kind of sort through this a little bit. So wh- wh- what, does that, what does that mean for you? I said, "I said, well, I guess it means I need to make decisions. And he goes, exactly. And so how are you going to make those decisions? And, and so we, we, began, we began to talk about that. But, but really, that's, that's really what this comes down to. There's a lot of, I mean, all the stuff that I want to do, you know what? It's all good. But it's not about the good, it's about the best. What is the best thing that I can do with my time? What is the best thing, not the, just the good thing, but the best thing that you can do with your time? And then there's all those, those time wasters. And um, I actually compiled a little list of time wasters, and maybe this will help you a little bit, because I want this to be as practical as I can possibly make it. So I'm going to start with one. I believe this is a huge time waster if you... Do it too much. Anybody have a guess? Somebody in the first service blurted out before I could even get the first word out. Social media. Say, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, all that kind of stuff. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, I'm on it pretty much every day, but I limit myself to 15 minutes a day. Didn't used to until all my time started getting away from me. And, and then here's the other thing about you know, all that stuff. Have you ever been having a pretty good day and then you get on Facebook and you find out that your friend's in Tahiti. And you're not maybe having a good day anyway. And you're going, really? My life sucks. I'm over here working so hard and they're in Tahiti. You know, Amy, our, our church therapist, she goes, Facebook keeps me in business. So I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You need to be careful about that. Um, how, about, how about this one? Uh, worry. Just Worry. Jesus talked a lot about worry. And, and uh, there, there, there's those moments where we can actually just get literally stuck. And just, you know, you feel like you can't move. And you just sit there and you stress and you worry. Terrible time waster. Um, how about just to get old, so I have a smart TV. Probably like a lot of you do. And, you, you know, have got Amazon and Hulu and Netflix and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and and uh, if you allow it to, it can steal you a lot of your time, can it? Yeah, I mean... I know at the end of almost every evening, my wife and I watch a little bit of TV. And I say a little bit, usually about an hour, maybe a tiny bit over that. We're kind of night owls, so it kind of works for us a little bit. But I make sure that my whole day is done before I go there. Because I know it can get away from me really fast. Okay, there's another time stealer. How about this one? If you say yes to everything, that means you're gonna have to say no to a bunch of other stuff. You can't say, if you can't be a yes person, oh, you wanna do that? Yeah, we're gonna go here, yeah. At some point, it's going to catch up with you, um, and it, it's, it's just going to really mess everything up. So how many yeses are you saying? You've got, you got to say some no's. I'm going to talk to all the perfectionists here. If you are a perfectionist, chances are you've got several projects going on that you're never going to finish because you're a perfectionist, and it's going to drive you crazy. And so here's, here's a word of wisdom to you. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just finish it and feel good about it. Step back from it, and all your friends are going to go. You actually finished? Wow! And 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 it'll start something good in your life. Um, how about this one? Um, clutter. Anybody struggle with clutter? You know, to me, clutter is the enemy. It's the devil. Why? Because when clutter begins to fill your office or your house or your workspace, whatever it is, here's what's happened: is you're in a hurry, you're going to run in there, and what do you face? Clutter. And it's just, it's just going to steal your time, and plus it's going to really frustrate you. And then one last one, and I put this on the list, and it probably you, would, you won't think this is going to be a time waster, but it's a tremendous time waster, kind of in a different way. Trying to be like everybody else. Gosh, we're like that. I mean, you know, like, oh, well, I, I want to dress like them. I want to have a haircut like them. Uh, I want to have a life like them. Uh, and so we're just looking around and we're burning up a whole bunch of time just going, I just want to be like them. When God says, why don't you just be like you? And I created you very unique. So you just be you. I want to af- offer after all of that one thing that, that's really helped me personally. And maybe it'll, maybe it'll help you. About two years ago, just to, because I wanted to maximize and use my time as, as well as I could, I started planning more than I've ever planned in my life. Now, when I say planning, and some of you are thinking, "But doesn't it take time to plan?" Not very much time, actually. And the more I plan, the more time I save, and the more margin I have with my schedule. And so, every morning that I get up, uh, you know, I read a little bit of scripture, I pray a little bit, and I kind of pray through my schedule and I rewrite my schedule. And here's what I'm finding: because I plan so much now, my days are less stressful, my my weeks tend to be less stressful because I'm just on it. I just plan and plan and plan. So if you've never done that, I just want to tell you it can really make your life feel better. It'll it'll help you towards your goals all the way around. So just think about that. Getting up in the morning, maybe you've never done it before and just start planning. In fact, if you do, you've never done it before, I want you to in, in another month come talk to me and you tell me how it feels. Okay? Cuz I know it's it's going to really really bless your life. Wisdom wisdom says to stand under God, I have to understand, I have to stand under his word. What, what, what do I mean by that? Um, wisdom says, I honor God's word above my word, and I honor his truth above my truth. I don't know, I don't know how many of you guys have seen the t-shirts, kind of popular now, "Living in my truth. And um, that's okay as long as your truth matches his truth. But, but the problem is, and I'm, you know, I'll be the first one to say it, sometimes my truth doesn't match his truth. That's why I submit to the truth of God. That's why I read the Bible all the time, and I'm always saying, read the Bible, read the Bible, because if you read the Bible and you know his truth and you live his truth, it'll bless you. And that's called wisdom. And wisdom is to live under God's truth. Because as much as I'd like to think that my truth is the highest truth, it's not. Over and over I've been proved wrong in my own life that his truth is higher than my truth, and his ways are higher than my ways Paul says it this way in Ephesians 5.17. He says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And God's will for us is to live under his truth and know his his truth. Oops, got ahead of myself there. Have you ever um, come to a moment where you just said, I so desperately need wisdom right now. I don't know what to do. I, I talked to at least two or three people as I was coming in this morning, and I had this habit of saying, how's your week going? Because I really, I really want to know, how is your week going? And the first two people that I talked to this morning said, I am so stressed out. And I could relate to it, because this last week has been probably one of the most stressful weeks I've had in a long, long time. I just felt that connection immediately. And I think for those of us that find ourselves in that place, what we're really saying is, man, I, I just, I need wisdom. And in my case, I, I, I'm in just, there's an area of my life and I'm trying to navigate some very difficult things. A lot of personalities involved. There's, there's a bunch of money involved. There's a bunch of other stuff involved. And it's very, very complicated. And I just found myself this week just crying out God, God bring me some wisdom and some courage and some insight. I just, I need to know what, what to do. How, how am I going to handle this? Here's the thing you can't Google wisdom. And you can Google knowledge, but you can't Google wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. Makes me think of a guy named uh, Richard Hammer. Richard Hammer, when he was in high school, was a C student. And uh, as a matter of fact, when he graduated, they, they voted him most likely not to succeed. How'd you like to be that guy? I, did, I didn't even know they had categories like that, you know. Most likely not to succeed. So he goes to college. And uh, while he's in college, he he comes into a relationship with Jesus. And and he takes his faith really seriously. And so one day he runs into this verse right here. And he makes this his life verse. This just becomes his mantra, so to speak. He says in James 1.5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And so he embraces that verse. And he said, I just want (laughs) to... I want to do better. I want to be smarter. I, I want to be wiser. And so when he gets out of college, he moves on to the next step, and he goes to Harvard. And he does really, really well at Harvard. He goes to Harvard Law School, and he graduates at the top of his class. And then he becomes an attorney, and does, he specializes in church law. And today, he is not only at the top of his field in the United States, he is in the top of his field in all of the world in church law today. His name is Richard Hammer. You can Google him if you want. He has a book about this thick, it's huge. But he's become that guy. And if you talk to Richard Hammer, I know people that know him personally, he'll always point to that verse. He'll say, There was a day that I called out for the wisdom of God. And it began to change everything. Have you ever got just tired of being dumb? Yeah. <laughs> Barth, I'm with you, man. I mean, I just there's just some times and I'm like, I am so tired of being dumb. And it has nothing to do with education. Because some of the some of the dumbest people I know have a lot of education. They have degrees and everything, and they're just dumber than dirt, man. I'm just like, really? You did that and you went to Harvard? You've got all those degrees. So that's the thing is it's wisdom. Wisdom to make the right decisions. So here's, here's what I'd like to do, just, just for a couple of moments. I have a feeling that some of you walked in the room today and you need wisdom. And maybe like me, you're super stressed out. And you're going, and you're saying to yourself, I, I just, I don't know what to do. Um, I'm not sure how to handle the situation. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, what the action point is. I, I don't know. So I'm going to pray for all of us. I'm going to pray for those especially that you're going through a hard time and you just need the wisdom of God, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've made wisdom available to us, that we can access wisdom by simple prayer, by simply calling out to you and saying, Jesus, please help me. I I, I have to make a decision. Uh, I, I need to to do something or say something or approach something or or, or there's things that that, I, that are bigger than me and, and I'm not quite sure what to do. And, and my prayer for all of us, and I pray it again for myself, is, Lord, what's the next step for all of us? What do we do? And may we call upon your name for wisdom today and tomorrow and all week long and every day so that, Lord, we can arise to the occasion and make the right decisions and do the right thing and handle that situation and do it with great precision and with much wisdom we pray this we pray this in your name jesus amen 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 i really believe that if you prayed that prayer god's going to come through in a big way for some of you because i i'm sure that some of you were like praying right with me you're like yeah bring the wisdom the, the final thing that we need to do, and maybe you've never associated worship with wisdom, but, but walk in step with the spirit. Walk in the step with the, with the spirit. So he says, "Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with, with the spirit." When I was in college, there was, a, there was a verse that I memorized that meant a lot to me. It was Galatians 5:16. It simply says, "If you walk in the spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature." And you know, being a crazy guy in college, I needed that verse. Basically, it means if you, if you uh, walk in the Spirit, you won't do stupid stuff. And so I just kind of embrace that as what, one, one of my verses. And this is kind of, uh, kind of a part of that. He says, don't get drunk on, on wine. And so for all the beer drinkers and the whiskey drinkers, you're like, I should pull it on that one. <laughs> for some of the wine drinkers, like, "Ooh, maybe I need to scale back a little bit. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Well, now, what is debauchery? Debauchery is just wasted time. Debauchery is just doing stupid stuff that goes nowhere and accomplishes nothing. Do not get drunk on wine, but, but be filled with the spirit. Now I know as I look out, probably most of you have never been drunk before. But let me just tell you about one of my really, really bad drunken experiences bad at, back in my hard drinking days. And so um, I went to a party, and I, I took uh, this gal with me, and she' was my girlfriend, and, and I really liked her a lot. We've been together for you know, maybe almost two months. Everything was going so well. And, and so we go to this party, and, and, you know, I had a couple of beers, and uh, it was, everything was working, I was dancing, you know, the party was good. But then I switched over to gin, and, and I had a glass of gin, uh, and suddenly, I was dancing way better. Serious, I, I, you know, and, 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 and the next thing I knew, not only was I dancing better, but in my conversations, I got really smart. So smart. I just I couldn't believe how smart I was, and so I figured what I need is another glass of gin, so I drank another glass of gin, and I think I might have had one more because the last thing that I remember was being in the back seat of a car with a few friends that were trying to force coffee down my throat and asking what happened, and I remember my friend said we'll tell you tomorrow, so okay, so I woke up woke up really really hungover, not feeling good at all, and and my friend said so what happened was. Uh, you, you, got, you, know, you got sick and you threw up in front of your girlfriend and you passed out. And she dropped me the next week. So the moral of the story is, nothing good happens when you get drunk. Nothing. And so when he says, don't get drunk on wine, it's re- referring to because it just leads to stupidness and, and debauchery all kinds of bad stuff. But he says, so well, you know, what, what do I do? Well, he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. So be under the influence, but let it be in, uh, under the influence of something that's going to really make your life good. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. He said, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus speaking says this. He says, but the advocate, what is an advocate? An advocate is somebody that's working on your behalf. That's what the Holy Spirit is. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. So if you're going to be under the influence, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. And you'll begin to make the choices that are wise. You'll you'll begin to do, do the right thing. So Paul Speaking a little bit more, he says, Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, and always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's probably not the way that you and I speak to each other, right? Let me sing a psalm to you, a hymn to you. We don't do that, but it's just in the spirit of what he's saying, uh, as you see, he's basically saying, Worship is powerful. As a matter of fact, songs reinforce wisdom. That's one of the reasons when we come here on, on Sunday morning and we always begin singing, So why do we do that? Because there's great power and wisdom in singing. Sometimes what happens is something just gets unleashed inside of our, our spirit and all of our stress and what we're going on, and suddenly we begin to see God as bigger than our problems and our circumstances. And it's powerful. So uh, let me finish with... Something that happened to Paul, one one time, Paul and Silas, his his sidekick, they were in this little town called Philippi, and uh, and they were doing awesome. You know, they, people were being healed, and people were they were preaching the gospel, and people were coming into relationship with Jesus. Everything was going really well uh, until they met this little girl who was just kind of agitating them. And and she, this little girl was actually she was being human trafficked, and she was she was making these guys a lot of money by fortune telling and stuff like that. You can read it in Acts chapter sixteen. So at some point, Paul turns around, and he just prays for her. And this little girl gets delivered from this thing, this like demonic thing with her. And what happens is instantly is the the, girls that are, the guys that are trafficking the girl, they get really ticked off. And so they drag these guys into the city square, and there's a riot. The next thing that happens is, is that Paul and Silas find themselves in jail, but not just in jail. Before they get there, the Bible says they're beaten with rods, and they were flogged. And then they're putting into this jail in stocks. So not only are they bleeding out, feeling horrible, but they're just like this. Their feet and their hands are in stocks. What are you going to do when you're in a situation like that? Well, here's what they did. At midnight, they started singing. I, I, I don't know how that works out, but I, I can just imagine, you know, they're right next to each other, looking at each other, going, what are we going to do anyway? I don't know. Hey, why don't we sing? Why, why don't we worship? And, uh, and so they began to sing and, and worship with whatever the songs of the day were. And, and the Bible says that as they're singing, that the other prisoners started listening. You can only imagine. I wonder what the talk was among those guys. Like, did you hear those guys? I mean, they came in here, they, they're a bloody mess, and they're singing. And they're singing to God. Like, how, how, how powerful is that? And here's what happens next. The Bible says that there was a earthquake that God brought, and it shook the place so much that the, all the prison doors just slammed open. And, and everybody just begins to walk out, and just doors were open. And if you read the rest of the story, really incredible things happen. The guy that was in charge of the jail, he and his whole family come to know Jesus, and Paul has a great ministry opportunity. But here, here's the point. When you and I begin to worship, doors begin to open. And I know a lot of times, I've watched it over and over, that a lot of people don't show up at, to the service because they like, I don't, I don't want to sing, you know, so I'll, I'll come a little bit later and kind of miss that part. And I just want you to know that you are really missing out. You really are. I, I, we don't care how you sing, man. You don't have to sing good. You don't have to have a great voice. I mean, Barth, you proved that, right? No, I'm just kidding, Barth. Just. <laughs> but I'm just saying, just just come and just sing and lift up your voice to God and see what will happen. Barth actually has a good voice. I'm just kind of threw him under the bus there. So that's the way we're going to end the service today. We're going to to sing. And and if you're not used to it and, you know, if you're like, I don't know, I'm not sure about this, just let it go. Belt it out. Sing. But don't sing to anybody other than the Lord. Sing to God and see what God will do in you. Father, right now I just want to pray for everybody that's here. And, Lord, we want to glorify your name. God, we just literally want to lose ourselves in you and who you are and how incredible you are and what you mean to us. So, God, just set us free. And as we worship, I pray maybe some doors will begin to open in our hearts and our minds and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.